Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the newborn King Jesus our Lord. You may be seated. If you were to wish anyone a Merry Christmas in the last day or two, or the next day or two, you might have gotten a response like this. What? Christmas is over. It was last Sunday. Get with it. And that would be right. I haven't heard any Christmas music on the radio in the stores, or at least not until yesterday afternoon coming home on the metro. And, and it does seem that Christmas is over. But I want to say to you today, Merry Christmas, Gentiles. And I think that has a very different message for us. We all know what I call part one of the Christmas story. We had it, heard it read from the Gospel of Luke, sang the story in our Christmas carols, shared it in our Christmas greetings. It's a boy born to a young girl, nestled in a manger, announced by shepherds, witnessed announced by angels, witnessed by shepherds. But I think there's a lot more to the Christmas story, and I'm calling it Christmas Part Two. It's the story of the wise men. And as Mark said, it's usually celebrated on January 6th, the the 12th day of Christmas. It's called the Epiphany of Our Lord. It's the time when the Magi, wise men from the East, came to visit the Christ child. It's recorded in a different gospel, in the gospel of Matthew. We heard that story a few minutes earlier. The Western church, including us Lutherans, celebrate Christmas on December 25. But Eastern Orthodox Christians celebrate Christmas on January 6th with the coming of the wise men coming of Gentiles, non-Jews, who come to worship the Christ child. That's Christmas part two. But since Epiphany falls on a Sunday only every six or seven years, uh, it often gets lost, this part two, gets lost and confused in our Christmas celebrations. Today I want to look at that different Christmas 2 story from Matthew. First, there's history. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and Herod was a real king, ruled over the kingdom of Judah, what was left of Israel, the promised land, at the time of Jesus' birth. And the Magi, they weren't kings, they were astrologers, stargazers, wise and learned men in their culture. There might have been three or twelve, who knows? We usually picture three because three gifts are mentioned, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Could have been a lot more. And 
What if they were women? Or Muslim? Would that have changed things for our world? Jesus is no longer a baby. He's called a child, not a baby. And notice they are in a house, not a stable. So some time has passed since that birth. And if you compare Matthew's account with Luke's Christmas story, it's clear that Jesus was probably at least 40 days old and perhaps as many as two years old. It's a great, great Bible topic and subject. It's also very clear from the Gospel of Matthew that the Christ event is for all the world, not only for Jews, but for foreigners like the Magi. And who knows exactly where they came from. And it's for Gentiles like us. Jesus is the exclusive property of no one nation or culture or ethnic group or denomination. Our Savior is the Savior of the world, of all people. Wow! Then there's a mystery here. Why should supposedly wise men travel hundreds of miles to follow a star when no one else seems to have noticed or cared or paid any attention? I mean, after all, the priests and the scribes could have made a a six-mile walk from Jerusalem to the stable in Bethlehem, but they didn't. And even in our day, Christian people didn't even drive a few miles to worship the newborn king. And don't you wonder, or at least I do, about the role of astrology in the story? This symbol of our fears, worries about the future and our security, the continued popularity of astrology, even in our scientific age, seems to say that if you can't find answers for your life in your own experiences, in your own belief systems, then look out, look outward to the stars even. But all that superstition is a waste of time and does belong on the comics pages where you usually find it in the paper. A waste of time unless it leads to the Christ. Unless stargazing in the heavens brings your view back down to earth to a manger and eventually to a cross and to an empty tomb. Yet here, somehow, amazingly, astrology has brought these wise men to Jesus. Just think of all the excuses the wise men might have had. I'm not traveling to who knows where to follow a dumb star. 
I just don't have the time. I'm too busy for that stuff. We can't afford this trip. What about our families? And we're supposed to bring gifts? I need more information than a star. What, what does the star mean after all? Let's get practical. How will we feed our camels on the way? And we don't have any hotel reservations in Jerusalem or wherever else we wind up. You see, it was a mysterious journey against common sense. Practical people condemn it. Nature would block it. Herod and the religious leaders would try to stop it. But they went anyway, these Gentiles from the East. That's because no one and no human power can limit the way that God works in our lives, in our world, in your lives. We want to be in control and know all the facts rather than let God lead us. Well, these magi let God lead them. And they followed. And just maybe we might learn something from these pagans. huh? Further, there's a plot. A plot filled with intrigue, conspiracy, suspense. King Herod was shook. There might be another king, a threat to his throne, even if it was only a child. The religious leaders in Jerusalem were upset. This was a challenge to their comfortable, respectable position as religious leaders. But you know, Christ always does that. He disturbs us, challenges us, pricks our consciences, questions our values, our methods, our goals. And we're either with him or against him. There is no middle ground with Jesus. And then there's the suspense. Would the Magi report back to King Herod? Should they? Was it an order or was it a suggestion from Herod? Would he then go and worship the child or murder him? Will they participate in this conspiracy? My friends, we too have decisions to make. Do we follow the star, follow the Christ? And do we put our lives in his hands? Or do we try to hold on to our lives for ourselves? It doesn't always make sense to follow Jesus. Admit it. To be a servant. To humble ourselves. To turn the other cheek. Even to die. And what kind of a king? What kind of a king will he turn out to be? And the key question, how will things turn out 
for us. And finally, there's, there's a happy ending. The bad guys are fooled. And I guess Herod and his associates are still waiting for a report from the Magi who depart to their own country another way. The Magi found the child. They worshipped him and brought him their gifts, the best they had, extravagant even. But that's what all gifts are for, to serve Christ and the neighbors that he gives us. At Journey's End, Journey's End in Bethlehem, they found the Christ and they found themselves as blessed witnesses to a world-changing event that was just beginning in their sight. And as we come to Bethlehem once again in this Christmas season, at the beginning of a brand new year, we too find the Son of God and find that we are, by baptism, sons and daughters of God as well. And we find that we have life, forgiveness, love, a love that never ends in Jesus the Christ. So wise men, wise women, and children still go to Bethlehem. The star leads us to the Christ child who is Savior and Lord. He calls us to let our lights shine in worship and at work. It's in school, in our witness, in our families, and in our communities, wherever we are, wherever we go. Jesus is born for us. Merry Christmas, fellow Gentiles. Amen. The peace, power, and purpose of the newborn King bless you this day and this year and forever. Amen.